On election day in 2012, voters in Colorado approved a ballot initiative legalising the recreational use and sale of cannabis, making the state the first in the US to do so. 16 other states plus Washington DC and Guam would go on to legalise the drug in the next nine years as public support for legalisation rose rapidly, despite marijuana being illegal at the federal level. Today's support for marijuana legalisation has become mainstream among Democratic politicians and some Republicans also back the idea. State governments are grappling with if and how to legalise the drug, while several marijuana-related bills, including those aiming to decriminalise it on the federal level, have been introduced in Congress. Dr Kevin Sabet is an author, consultant, assistant professor and serves as the president and CEO of SAM. That's an organisation he founded with former Congressman Patrick Kennedy in 2013 and has served as a White House advisor on drugs to three different administrations and who NBC News once called the prodigy of drug politics. Kevin's first book, Reefer Sanity, Seven Great Myths About Marijuana, painted a clear and factual picture on the dangers of marijuana. Kevin now has a new book, Smokescreen, What the Marijuana Industry Doesn't Want You to Know. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. You have a long history in drug policy development and great knowledge of drug politics and the cannabis industry. Tell us about your background. Yeah, well, I've been involved in this about 25 years since I was a teenager, really uh, seeing the effects of drugs in my community. And, you know, drugs are are an issue that a lot of people want to deny uh, from a family level, from an individual level, from a society level. And so I decided to get involved in this, and I've served in three different White House administrations uh, on this issue. Tell us about Sam's smart approaches to marijuana, which you founded and currently lead. Yeah, when I left the Obama administration in 2011, I started Sam with former Congressman Patrick Kennedy, where uh, we basically wanted to start a conversation around the world uh, talking about the harms of marijuana, because they are often really underplayed and uh, not, um, you know, really understood, even though science understands them very well. I mean, the, the debates that society is having on cannabis, um, they're not having them in the medical society or the medical groups because they've already decided the harmfulness. They know it's harmful. Today's marijuana is not like the marijuana of the past. So we try to um, bring this up to the public consciousness. It's uh, not a Woodstock weed, as I, one, one interview you said. And I thought that's actually a really good description of it because... Yeah, around Woodstock, uh, maybe 10 years after, it was pretty um, innocuous. You know, you you have to have your weed man or your gunge or whatever you wanted to call it. Uh, certainly has changed a lot. It's uh, I saw one DEA agent say it's there's nothing natural about it. Once the botanist has gotten to it, the weed, it really is something else. Yeah, it's not natural at all. It's been genetically um, bred to just increased the THC potency in such an enormous way. And so we're dealing with 99% potency in some cases, um, you know, uh, these waxes and dabs and shatter. It's, I don't think the public understands what we're talking about when you say marijuana these days, because they, they think of the old joints. And that's not really what we're talking about at all. The book, Smokescreen, first of all, congratulations. Um, Thank much, you. Have you had much of a pushback from uh, those that enjoy or those that partake 
of the weed. It's not so much those that partake because I don't think individual users necessarily should go to prison or be condemned mm-hmm. or anything. I, my, my issue is more with this industry that's pushing profits over public health. And so we expose, I expose the marijuana industry in this book, as well as talk about some of the individual stories. And uh, I have interviews with former regulators in Colorado who say the whole thing's been mismanaged. Uh, lab owners who say that the kind of marijuana that's out there is not regulated at all. In fact, the levels of THC are very high and um, they're not often reported as such. And So uh, the pushback has really been from the major industry folks who really want to make a buck. Uh, more than they are from the individual users. What was your aim in writing the book and and um, the reaction then from, the, say, the medical fraternity? Well, you know, I, I this is my second book. Um, the first mm. book I wrote, which was called Reef for Sanity, I wrote as soon as I left the Obama administration in 2011. I wanted to write something quickly to get out there, to use as a platform to talk about these myths. This book came along much more gradually and I think more organically. Uh, Basically, I had folks come up to me and approach me for the last three years with their stories, uh, stories of heartbreak, of sorrow, of astonishment at their state and how this was mismanaged at, um, you know, their heartbreak about their kid who died from by suicide related to marijuana. These stories I thought needed to be told. And so it took longer to cultivate and curate uh, than, than, than I think a book normally would. And so uh, it's a big, it was a very big project for me and something that I'm very excited, you know, I am very excited about. I think the reception's been good. I think it's, it's a lot of uncomfortable truths that people don't want to hear. Uh, and so sometimes it's hard to get into some of these mainstream quarters, but I'm getting calls and emails from the medical establishment, from parents, teachers, all saying that this is confirming everything that they see and that they've heard. I saw a, uh, an interview with uh, one of your colleagues, Patrick Kennedy, and he was talking about um, marijuana. And he was, he was truly still gobsmacked, amazed, uh, just dumbfounded, all those descriptions on why they would legislate another addiction. Exactly. I mean, we've been dealing with the crisis of the opioid epidemic, and that is a class of legal drugs. Uh, We've dealt with the crisis of tobacco, and that's a class of legal drugs. Uh, And part of what makes a drug harmful is its availability and its legality and its normalization, and dare I say commercialization. And so the idea that we'd make another drug commercialized, widely available and accepted, when we know how that movie ends, really doesn't make any sense, especially when the medical community is universal in saying this is harmful, it alters your brain, uh, it, 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 you know, it can lower your IQ by eight points, it can increase your risk of psychosis, schizophrenia by fivefold. Uh, why would we want to make this more available and normalized? I was talking to uh, Louise Shelley, and uh, Louise Shelley was saying, we're talking about um, you know, the, the, especially uh, the, the, the stronger drugs and uh, all, all the, these Netflix movies and uh, movies about the drug cartel. At the end of the day, it looks really yeah. still, even though it's illegal and bad, it still looks pretty sexy because it's, you know, it's living on the edge, which eventually you do fall over. Um, is part of the perception of drugs, uh, you know, we go right back to Cheech and Chong, which is our, our era, yeah. Uh, and it was pretty cool. You thought, hey, man, you know, that's really funny. Nowadays, it has got nothing to do with the coolness, but they still perceive it because of, I suppose, the history of, of weed to, to what it is now. So how do you get around that, that perception that it's really cool to have some drugs? 
It's a very difficult cultural perception to overcome, if, I, if I'm to be honest with you. Uh, when you, we have celebrities in the media glorifying this all the time, and you know, I, I enjoy a good joke like anybody does, uh, and a good movie, and and you know, time to relax and all of that. But uh, this is something that's you know sending almost seven hundred thousand people in America to the emergency room every year because of uh, uh, a panic attack, psychosis. Um, that's happening. Uh, this is something that is the number one reason why kids are in treatment. Uh, and so I think, yeah, I mean, if you're a multimillionaire celebrity, you can joke about it because, you know, if you're late to work the next day because you were high, it's no big deal. Um, you don't have a lot of obligations in that way. People will cover for you. You're not going to lose your job and your livelihood. But I think for the average person, this can be a lot more devastating than it than it's made out to be when it's glorified. Now, what's some of the biggest things the marijuana industry doesn't want you to know? Yeah. Well, I think they don't want you to know that they are in bed with the tobacco industry. Um, you know, this is the tobacco industry is an industry that has lied to the to the global population for the last century. It still is the largest you know industry in the world. It's bigger than Coca-Cola, McDonald's and combined Microsoft. Uh, it's a global killer, especially in the developing world now in America alone. Even though we've learned our lesson and we've banned smoking almost everywhere you can think of, it still kills 420,000 people a year. The idea that the marijuana industry would basically be merging with big tobacco, I think, is very scary. They don't want you to know that. Uh, they don't want you to know that today's pot is not the old marijuana. It's not the Woodstock weed. It's 10 to 50 times stronger. It's cookies, candies, lollipops, chocolate bars, ice creams, kid-friendly products. Uh they don't want you to know that they make their money from addicts. I mean, they make their money from people who use their product almost every day, if not every day, multiple times a day in a very intense way. That's how they make money. So they rely on addiction for profit. Uh, and by the way, they want you to think it's not addictive, even though we know that it can be addictive for a, an appreciable number of people who try it and use it regularly. So uh, there's just myths all day coming out of this industry because their bottom line is all about money. It's all about making money. And they'll do anything they can to make that money. And with it being legalized throughout the U.S. and having um, the current administration really pushing for it, um, can you see that when take away the, the tobacco, and we used to call it wacky tobacco, but take away the yeah. tobacco industry, what about other uh, suppliers of, um, of say, for, exam for example, uh, beer manufacturers? And, yeah. Uh, and they, they would see this as an opportunity to, to uh, diverse, wouldn't they? They, and they are. Uh, big alcohol is getting involved in a very big way. Multiple beer and alcohol companies trying to create you know, marijuana, cannabis-based drinks. Um, we've seen plant companies like miracle Grow get involved. They see this as big. Chemical companies are getting involved. The good news is actually President Biden has been staunchly against the legalization of marijuana, kind of breaking from a lot of people on the left, which I think is a good thing. So I hope it stays. Uh uh, because really the scientific uh, consensus is that legalization is a bad idea and that marijuana can be harmful for you. Uh, it's not harmful for everyone. Just like if you drive over the speed limit, you're not always going to get a, you know, crash your car. Mm. Um, but there's a reason we have speed limits, because if, when you go over the speed limit, you're increasing your risk of a problem, of a car crash, of an accident, of, a, of an injury. And that's the same reason why we need drug laws like marijuana laws. We, we want to discourage use. Uh, even if some people are going to break it, we want to discourage most people from using it and, and doing it often. Would enforcement of the law, I mean, in those legalized uh, states and cities and, and, and areas, I mean, I think uh, in Colorado, it's um, 
uh, I think is it one gram for uh, for uh, uh, just just general use, and if you have a, a medical need for it, you can have two grams, which I think is about 124, well, 124 joints. But how do you enforce yes. that? I mean, how do you say to to someone, well, you've got to make sure you only have one gram or, or one not one. It's not- it's not yeah, it's not enforceable. It's you know in places we have like three ounces as personal use, and three ounces is like two hundred joints. No mm. one's enforcing and counting that. Um, you know, interestingly, there are still arrests happening because people use in public and they use in places they're not allowed to use. But oftentimes, police really have to look the other way. And, you know, it's causing big problems on set the issue of secondhand smoke as well and public use. Again, mm-hmm. something with tobacco that we've learned our painful lesson from and we're repeating the same mistake with marijuana. So uh, it has been it has been difficult in those places. I will say that in the majority of states that have legalized, uh, most of their cities have banned the sales of marijuana. They Most communities do not want this in their community at all. They do mm. not want pot shops everywhere. Um, so that's kind of been an interesting twist on the local level, how unpopular marijuana stores ha- have been. But it's amazing. If it's so unpopular, and if, say, the uh, Joe Biden is, uh, is, is against legalizing marijuana and that there's yeah. all this pushback. But you have so many states that have legalized it and they're still talking about states that haven't legalized it are now talking about it so do you have this two-headed monster this almost uh it's bad it's good it's bad it's good it's bad it's good yeah i think you do i think you have a lot of mixed messages i think we have a lot of leaders that have um for political reasons they think this is great to embrace when in reality um people don't come out and vote because you're in favor or not of marijuana legalization it's a very low issue from a sort of um profile point of view um, so you do have that. But you have, unfortunately, a lot of politicians who think they have to be in favor of it to get the young vote. And actually, the reporting and the work and the science on this, the data shows that that's not even true because young people care about many other issues. Uh, and frankly, President Obama, uh, as I say, say in my book, talked about how this should not be a top issue for young people. You know, if you want to care about war and climate change and other things, that's good. But you know, marijuana it doesn't make sense that that's something you're going to be you know, advocating for. Even President Obama said that. So I think. I think that, um, you know, some some of our lawmakers need a healthy dose of science and reality on this issue. What are other aspects of the uh, the, of the the industry that's really troubling? Well, I think the influx of the tobacco industry, I think the fact that they are funding ballot initiatives, then funding politicians so that they have laws written in the way they want. Um, I think the fact that they they don't even agree on limits and regulations, for example, potency limits. We're trying to get through some potency limits in various states across the U.S. And the pushback we're getting is incredible. These are companies already making millions of dollars. And we're just saying we don't want you to sell 70 percent THC, 60 percent THC that can cause psychosis and schizophrenia. And there's a huge pushback to that by the industry. So it is it's also disturbing how they're completely forgetting about driving. Uh, impaired driving is a huge issue. Marijuana impairs your driving. There's no doubt about that. And there's been very little to address this. Um, the industry doesn't want to touch it. Dr. Uh, Kenneth Finn in uh, in uh, Colorado said that a lot of his colleagues, not so, well, maybe not a lot, but some of his colleagues uh, partake of the uh, of marijuana. And um, he said, yeah, the, the medical fraternity itself needs to look at itself because how can you yeah, allow someone to use cannabis and then perform a delicate operation on you soon after. Yeah, it's scary. I mean, I think this is going to be very difficult for pilots and doctors and others that we entrust with our 
really with our safety and our our our, our personal safety and um, well being. I think we're going to see a lot more liability issues. I think we're going to see a lot more workplace accidents. I think we're going to see major lawsuits happen. We're already seeing some lawsuits. We're going to see a lot more in the years to come as well. It seems that the whole industry or the whole, uh, I suppose, the uh, the medical and the uh, manufacturing and government uh, and take away the user, but it seems to be full of contradictions. And where does it end? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Um, I think it's very difficult to to know that. I mean, um, politics is very unpredictable. So I would say that, you know, we'll see where this goes. I think there's already some regret in some of these legal states. So it matter, you know, we'll see kind of if that picks up steam or not. No doubt there will be a day of reckoning for the industry, whether that's in five years or 50 after we learn hard lessons, mm. I think remains to be seen. The heavy lobbying has been effective in influencing state and federal governments. Where does a public health lobby sit on marijuana usage, particularly for the young? Yeah, I mean, the public health lobby is against it, especially for young people. But they're also dealing with 50 other issues. And they're then up against these massive marijuana corporations and big tobacco and miracle Grow, like I mentioned, and other industries that want in on marijuana who have put marijuana as their number one issue. So, you know, on the one hand, there are a lot of groups that are against it. But this is this is one of many issues they're dealing with. So in the American political system, they can get lost in favor of these, you know, marijuana lobbyists where this is their top issue and they get paid if they pass these bills. When you were with the uh, you were with uh, three administrations, um, were you surprised at the attitude towards uh, drugs and enforcement of drugs? And did anything stand out? You thought that doesn't really sit that well with me because you with three administrations. I, you know, yeah, I, I think that there's generally been a bipartisan consensus on drug policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, marijuana is becoming an exception to that in the last couple of years, but generally there has been. Uh, you know, I think I write in the book about um, the decision made by the Obama administration to essentially codify what was already happening in practice, but to put it on paper uh, with regards to marijuana and specifically medical marijuana and prosecutorial priorities. Um, you know, from a when you looked at that from just kind of a, a very straightforward point of view, it wasn't really a big deal. But in a larger context of the cultural contours and of what the media was saying and how the industry was going to interpret this and take this, there were really big ramifications for that. And I talk about that in the book, in Smokescreen, about how uh, you know, how disappointing some of that was and how, how we had to navigate that, you know, knowing that this was a this was something the industry was going to run with. Most writers with a book have a interesting plot. You had some interesting pot to study. Uh, if somebody wants to find out more about you or the book, uh, how do they get the book and how do they how do they find out more about yourself? They can go on smokescreenbook.com. They can also just search any bookseller, Amazon and, and look up Smokescreen. Uh, they can learn more about SAM, Smart Approaches to Marijuana, the organization I had, by going to our website, learnaboutsam.org. It is a crisis. Does a crisis get worse or does it get better? I think it has to get worse before it gets better. And I hate to say that, but I think we've learned, uh, unfortunately, in, in a lot of parts of the world, especially America, we have to burn our hand uh, to be convinced the stove is on. And I think, you know, in many ways, we're seeing a stove on fire and we are flirting our hand right over it. And we're going to have to put our hand on it, sadly, to learn our lesson. And um, I hope that happens sooner rather than later so we can learn our lesson and move on. Mm. But I I very much worry about what this industry is doing. Mm. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Kevin, thank you very much. 
Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And that's it for Asia Pacific Today, the drug economy. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Mike Ryan.